Good evening. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. All men and women created by the goal, you know the, you know the thing. Which do you like more, Congress or lice? <laughs> well, we like lice. Here's my eight words people need to stop redefining. Hate, victim, hero, shame, violence, survivor, phobic, and white supremacy. That America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. Welcome to the Gentleman's Sofa. Okay, if you really want to look at what's going on, been going on in the world for the past couple of weeks, we really have one of two major topics to talk about, and I'm going to throw both of these at Sean and see which one he wants to go at, because one of them is Orwellian, and the other one is going to piss off the world. So, let's start with the concept of Orwellian and see whether or not we want to talk about the Ministry of Truth, or we can piss off the world no matter what stance we take on it, and talk about Roe versus Wade. Boy, those are two loaded bullets, aren't they? Oh, okay. they, are, they are. Once again, you know, it, it, I'll leave this one up to you unless you have a better idea. I knew, I knew at least one of those was going to be in the hot seat this week, but I didn't, I didn't think you'd pick both. Um, let's do this. Let's do, let's do the Ministry of Truth first because I think that one's actually quicker. Okay. And then we'll, then we'll wade into the. If you'll <laughs> oh, forgive geez. the pun, it will wade into the deep end. And try Roe versus Wade, um, but with the Ministry of Truth thing, well, I, I you know, I, I, the, the, I will preface this with the fact of I would really like to be able to go through a week of watching the news and not thinking that Orwell is crawling out of his grave to scream, "I told you so!" Wow, <laughs> I mean, just. There was a perfect thing I posted on Twitter. Uh, it's from the National Review. It's like, there is no Ministry of Truth. Minister of Truth confirms. <laughs> you know, like, and who picked? Okay. And if you don't know what's going on, um, the the Department of Homeland Security has been empowered to create a a section that is designed to combat misinformation. Is it no, no, misinformation it, or disinformation? Disinformation. Now, disinformation. Now, the way combat- now j- just for the listener's sake, just so they know what we're talking about, the um, so far what the media, government, and all that has been separating the concepts of misinformation and disinformation by suggesting that misinformation is things that are just factually incorrect and disinformation is things that are not only factually incorrect, but said on purpose to confuse the world. Uh, yeah, and I can't see any way this could be used to beat the American public over the head with a club at all. Well, I, here, here's my question on the whole thing. And I, I, I know that it's the obvious, duh, what were you expecting question, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. 
they're talking about disinformation, actively lying to the to people around you in order to create an effect that you want, be it positive or negative, being disinformation. And they're wanting to fight the disinformation coming from other actors and players in the world. What about theirs? Well, that's entirely the point, man. They want to be the player, not not have to react to other players. They want to be the player that makes I, all those I, decisions. And I and I think I know where you're about to go, so I apologize if I if I step on your toes on this one, but they've even managed to pick someone to run this organization who is one of the main players and purveyors of said disinformation coming from the government. That is exactly where I was going. Nina Jankowitz is the last person who can remain fair and balanced. Now, I don't – let me just go on record, okay, officially as saying Ted Cruz and I do not agree on much. However, his take on Nina Jankowitz and – a lot of the other senators, Senator Kennedy, Sen- you know what? Any senator that was grilling <laughs> the Department of Homeland Defense on this appointment. And, and she had a did you see and I can't remember who had it because it's been taken down since. Did you see her crazy Twitter singing? Oh, God, yes. Um, <laughs> it's just it's so cringy to the point where you're just you're like, oh, oh, honey. And look, I have a porn podcast. And I and I find it cringy. Okay, like I've done some cringy shit. All right, I sang Twelve Days of Christmas" on a porn uh, uh, podcast with strippers and and sex workers. Okay. Well, uh, yes, but at the same time, yes, you, you did and said some cringy shit, but you're not being the person who is in charge of anti-cringy shit. Yeah, nobody's gonna put me in charge of anything. Rightfully so, okay? I'm not blaming anybody for that. I, I, I make my choices and I stand by them. However, I'm not being appointed to a government committee either. So let's just put this in perspective. You have a woman who now is in charge of dec- deciding the government's position on what is and what isn't true. And that's what different disinformation is, by the way. It's 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 sourcing truth. So she actually is working for a, a ministry of truth. And this same woman, not what, two years ago, was saying that it was confirming, was uh, was asserting that the Hunter Biden laptop story was, in fact, Russian disinformation campaigns and completely unreal now we now know that that story was squashed by the democrats and so that biden could have a shot of being elected as they knew it would have been a problem for him i don't think it would have now knowing what i know about how much a lot of the country hated trump i think he still would have been elected that is my personal belief i could be wrong Take that, take that even a little bit, just just even a tad further, which is if you really, if if Biden were not a public figure. Now I understand the public figure that he is because you can basically look at any of them, be that Trump, Nancy Pelosi, Biden, uh, any of them, and say the same thing. But with what they found on that laptop, if he were not a public figure, he would be in prison right now. Uh, no, he wouldn't, because he's a rich 
non-public figure at that point, and uh, rich uh, people don't go to jail. You know that. Okay, well, I'll give you that. Yes, but at the same, well, at the same time, you know, there are indictable offenses on there. Now, I'm not being partisan when I say that because, quite frankly, just about all of them have indictable offenses. Yeah, I'd say anybody who's been in D.C. for more than a year has some kind of at least subpoenaing activity going on. Indictable, maybe not, but over five years, yeah, they're indictable <laughs> for something. Um, uh, my, I, I just my, don't. My think other it's... favorite, though, it's completely besides the point. Is did you see the report that came out on the percentage of Congress that's on um, anti-Alzheimer's meds? No. I do not oh God, remember the exact number. I do not remember the exact number. It was below 50%, but it still was a staggering number. Well, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, I, my, my issue is not one of... It's not a conspiracy theory. That's the problem, right? It's not a conspiracy theory, as you have said many times, when it's actually happening. They really did make a section, carve out a section of the Department of Homeland Security and appoint a woman who is, by all accounts and measures, completely biased to discern what is the truth and then empower this section. Now, they have claimed that it does not have that it won't have a great deal of power over the media (laughs) and the response to that one and all is then why did you create it well so we could squash this kind of thing and put out the right stuff okay so it's going to have power over the media oh no it won't have power over the media okay but how could it not if that's how are you going to squash it if if that's well we'll correct it Okay, yeah, that's what we want to know. Like, how are you doing that? And they won't. It's just a circle, right? They just keep going in a circle because they don't actually want to answer the question because, of course, yes, they do. And, yes, they will. And they picked this this pit viper that they found in their back pocket. <laughs> nicer than I was. I was going to say twit. That they found in their back pocket to go, hey, you know, she did lots of great work with us on that keeping Biden out of jail thing. Let's use her. She's great. She'll tow the party line. And here's my problem. It's not actually her, and it's not actually that this thing was created. And it's not actually that I think they're going to start doing this right away. I think what's going to happen is this will be very benign in the first installation. It's when the party changes hands and they appoint some they appoint they appoint like a Republican to this and they look at the written words and say, oh, this is great. Those idiots put this thing in place and we are so going to use it to do X. Well, that's what I'm worried about. I you know, um, I would say that would happen with any side. Oh, absolutely. It's just that the fact that the Democrats actually made it. If it was the Republican, I'd be just as worried. I, I, I don't think they're any more responsible. I think it just happened to happen on her watch or on, on the Democrats' watch. I, <laughs> I apologize you said that, and I was waiting for you to keep going as I was yelling at my dog. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I do tend to go on, yeah. <laughs> but... um. It... 
yes, it is happening, in fact, on the left's watch at the moment. Um, but I don't think the right would do any different, and I don't think it, it matters who changes hands. It goes back to a lot of the things that are going on right now with that the uh, left and the Democrats are doing that I'm sitting there going, you do realize that this is the same shit is going to happen when it changes hands. It's one of the reasons why I think they're going to impeach Biden if the entire um, uh, Congress turns over. Oh, I don't think they'll they'll do that. They'll have other things going on their mind. Although this this actually ties very gracefully into the Roe versus Wade thing, right? Because it's very and this is just a personal observation. I'm not it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not anything. It's just a personal observation. I think that this what you see here and I sent you a video uh earlier this week. Did you see the meltdown of uh, oh yeah, the, the the woman just absolutely losing her shit and screaming at the at the screen. This is very typical of the modern left leaning uh, democratic kind of Hell, person. You, you've seen most of the especially female democratic senators, politicians, and all losing that. their absolutely shit, losing their mind. Just losing their mind. Now, I think, and this is just my own personal opinion, again, feel free to distance yourself, um, whatever. But the Republicans are good at a couple of things. One of them is taking a long-term stance to get something that they find really objectionable, and they'll take the hit to get something really objectionable moved out of their way. And one of those things, since its inception, is Roe versus Wade. They've hated it. They hated that they couldn't get rid of it. They've hated that they couldn't touch it. And they've hated that the, the Supreme Court was stacked against them. So what did they do? I'm, so for 50 years, they've been planning to overturn Roe versus Wade. And they've thrown money at it. They've, they've made this huge thing that they've built to make sure that they get and it's and it's always been hey vote republican we're gonna get this done uh the other thing that that the republicans are really good at is making sure that they have the right tone to keep the conservatives happy however i think this this happens right here and and if at the time of this recording we don't know that the we don't know for sure, I guess, was a better way of saying it, that they are going to overturn it. It, it looks incredibly likely, though. It looks incredibly likely. So let's just assume for the moment that they're going to do that. If they do, the, the conservative right, i.e. Republicans, lose one of the biggest sticks they have to vote Republican, right? Because it's always there. We're going to overturn it. We're going to work to get this done. You know, come with us and we're going to get this done. Well, that, well it's that, done. That, that's but see, then even then what they're going to have is they're going to have a reverse stick that the Democrats had for the longest time, which is we got to keep this going. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and because the fact that even the, at this point, this has been the one that's made the Democrats finally go, fuck it, let's just add some more justices. Now, I personally think that's one of the dumbest ideas in the sun, because once again, the other side will just do the same thing. Next thing you know, we've got a 400 person Supreme Court. Oh, sure. And this is and also, you know, the, the Democrats realize that 
they now have, and I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that this isn't a good thing for the Biden folks because you've got a lot of pissed off Democrats now who are going to rally around this one topic issue, right? One topic voting block. Now, you've seen that in in voting before. Well, hell, that's kind of how Biden won, because the one topic was I'm not no Trump. orange man. Yeah. So, you know, it works. And I, I mean, you've got all these states that are doing trigger warning or, you know, trigger trigger law stuff where, you know, if Roe versus Wade 30 days after it, it changes, this law will become an effect. And basically overnight half the country more than half the country is going to have stringent abortion laws right almost immediately after this thing punches through which means that right before election time they're going to have uh, democrats are going to have something to scream about quite honestly i mean just literally lose their and they're already losing their mind over it well i I, I would i would probably say that if this uh draft of the opinion had not come out when it did that we wouldn't have even known what the end result of the opinion was until after the election right and i think that was a very very strategic leak uh say what you want to about it and everybody's like, oh, the sanctity of the Supreme Court. Look, they're the least transparent of any of the branches of the government. They have tremendous power. They answer to no one, and they don't care. Okay? I'm all for transparency. I think that this particular leak, just personally, I think this particular leak was a strategic uh, uh, move for whoever leaked it to punch Democratic – uh, uh, voting single single issue voters through the roof for November. I truly think that because they're gonna get the floor wiped with them without it. They and, still might lose, but I, they're gonna get the they before this leak came out, they were gonna get their clock cleaned. So I, this can be do nothing but good things for the Democratic. Uh, constituents in trying to get reelected well i'm going to steal the soapbox from you for a moment on this absolutely and the reason why i'm going to do it is is not because of opinion strategic or anything of that nature what i really want to do is throw out a historical concept as to what has gone on here and uh whereas i will personally say that i am what i would call pro-choice with limits i think there should be a cutoff point uh, and then uh, obviously then things that go along with it, whether that be rape, incest, medical necessity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm actually very similar to you. Okay. Yeah, that's that's very similar to me. Um, with that said, let's talk about Roe versus Wade, the actual decision, because the decision w- made was by most, uh, not all, most legal scholars was incorrect. And it was incorrect because what the Supreme Court at the time did was legislate from the bench. There is no federal law on abortion. So there was nothing for them to actually judge. Not only that, but the United States Constitution does not obviously say anything with regards to abortion, but what it does say is what to do with things that it doesn't say anything about, which is one of two things. Either it becomes a right of the state to decide, 
uh, and I what I mean is states, not the state of United States, um, or it is something that needs to be either legislated by the U.S. government, or if there really is nothing said about it, an amendment made to the to the U.S. Constitution. So what the what the Supreme Court did with Roe versus Wade was really not in their purview to do so. And when you talk about legal scholars who said so, Ruth Bader Ginsburg who was obviously very, very pro-choice, said that the decision was going to come apart at some point in life because it was incorrect. So what's happened here is the fact that it's being thrown back to the states. And as you said, all of the states are, or not all of the states, but a lot of the red about states yeah. are, are, are basically creating what, what they're calling trigger laws, which is within 30 days after the... Uh, decision comes down that a law would be going making uh, abortion everything from illegal past some disgusting like two weeks like most women don't even know they're pregnant within two weeks uh, to just literally making it a felony or murder to do so um, the answer to this is actually in my opinion simpler than most people want to make first of all you have the ability to change, especially within the next couple of months, your state's legislature, not only that, but the actual representatives you have for the federal government. If this bothers you that much, if this is your single issue thing, you have a voice coming up within the next few months to basically say, this is the way I want my government to handle this. Not only that, but these actual federal um uh, representatives who are screaming their brains out are the ones that have the ability to introduce a federal law that says abortion is legal and here are the standards. But they're not going to do that. They're going to stand there and scream and yell to make sure that the election hopefully goes in the direction they want it to. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. That's, so, that's so, totally their plan. So uh, it's beyond just the fact that they're trying to manipulate an election. They're manipulating just the entire fervor and emotion of the United States with something that most people have a diehard opinion on. Rather than, and here's a just an awful concept as to why is to that... Uh, an awful idea that most of our legislators would not even consider doing, which is solve the problem. Isn't it's that pro- funny? It's a problem with an answer. It is a problem. And we've now done it both ways. We've both changed it and then changed it back. So we know that it's changeable. Now, it took the Republicans well, 50 years but, but see, to, to but change once again, it. Even, even change, not change, or anything of that nature, there, there's an, it's a problem with an answer versus a problem to scream about. And all they're going to do is scream about it, and it's, probably, it's the problem that is coming up with our legislatures, both state, federal, and whatever. It's why we pose the question of can you find an honest legislature uh, on the federal level anywhere nearby who you believe is actually there to help you with your problems they don't exist all they're doing is they're not trying to actually legislate or do anything they're simply just trying to get themselves reelected now we did have a listener find us an honest federal level politician yeah if you were if you recall correctly yeah now the, uh, you should have been more specific <laughs> i did i was wrong he came up with a fictional response and i will give him that it was a very it was an excellent response uh, just dave from dave wasn't yeah. real <laughs> yeah uh i would vote for dave 
<laughs> Dave, oh, Kevin I would Klein as Dave. Dave would be great. Sigourney Weaver by his side. Hell yeah, let's get that shit going. Um, I, I you named the one presidential candidate, sir. <laughs> if he was real, I'd totally be on. And honestly, the vice president was even better. Um, he was a Boy Scout, man. He was he was totally on it. Um, I I wish our politicians were like that. I really do. But I think you're right. I think they're they're going to scream because that's what they know how to do. That's how well, they know how to fundraise. That's what they know to get themselves It's not even what away. they know how to do. It's once again they're not they're they're going there with the job of getting reelected, of getting there and staying there, not actually legislating anything, not actually looking at an issue like abortion, having a debate, coming up with an answer that's going to probably piss everyone off because it'll be a compromise and actually creating a viable law yeah they don't want to do that they don't want to do that it's it's like the um the old joke right the the genie finds this dude and he's like i want to be immortal and the genie's like yeah i don't do that you, you can't that's one of the wishes you can't do and the guy's like and he thought about it for a minute and he goes all right i tell you what i want to die on the day that our federal government is full of hard-working, honest, bipartisan people who are doing their best to give the people what they need. And the genie's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it's never going to happen, right? It's never like they, I don't, with our current system, the way it works and the way it's built and the way we allow career politicians to do this, it's never... <laughs> You can't get anything done. It's not possible. But you can look at you can look at the issue of abortion in the same way you can look at just about every legislative issue that we're dealing with at this exact point in time. You have a small portion of people on the other side who basically want to say that you could be aborted up to nine months in a day. Then right. you've got people on the other side who want to say that the moment you conceive, if anything bad happens to the baby, you're a murderer. Yeah. Most of the people that you'll probably find walking around this world are somewhere in the middle. Most of them you'll probably find that there is very, very fine with the idea of a woman being having the right to choose whether or not she wants to be pregnant up to a point at which the fetus, now a baby, is actually viable to survive outside the womb. Now, when that happens is a debatable concept. But that being said, that's where you'll find that probably most people in the United States fall. But we can't really have that conversation. It goes back to everything else we said. It's a conversation that really can't be had. It's a conversation that you and I having right now will probably get us another, what, 3,000 or so hacking things just oh, trying to get I'm, us to shut the fuck up. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. And... And that's really where we're at right now is we can't have a legitimate conversation. We have to be stuck in the middle between those two extreme sides screaming at each other. Here's how bad it is. OK, I've been married to the same woman for 23 years in June. Right. Next month. And for 20 of those years, 20, maybe even 21 of those years, we have disagreed about abortion. And our solution because apparently we could not talk about it in a reasonable fashion up until about two years ago was just not to talk about it <laughs> because we disagreed wildly. Um, I am 
very much like you where I line up behind the there's got to be a reasonable solution to this. You know, I, I really hate the, you know, absolutes and stuff. And then Shannon was very much all God's children type of thing. Um, it's just a, it's just abhorrent to her. And about I'll, to- I'll be honest to admit that I that the that the part that bothers me with regards to abortion is the idea of using it as birth control. Yeah, that I, I will admit that that bothers me. Uh, it bothers me as well. But I still think that because um, better planning, right, better decision making would have effectively negated that whole thing and cost everyone a lot less pain and time and, and hurt. Right. But uh, there were well, situations. Well, I mean, it's, it's the difference between, oops, we made a mistake and now something is going on that I don't want to happen to my body versus fuck it, we won't worry about it, we'll just have an abortion later. Those those are, the the line between those I personally find distasteful. I, you know, I I can't disagree with that. Um, What's funny is it took 20 years, but I did sort of sway Shannon a little bit. And I'm like, look, you know, I, I, and my, I I think I put my point across with with the, the whole rape and incest baby, right? If you had a uh, if you had a woman who was raped and she got pregnant by that, by Shannon's reasoning up until very recently, you have to keep that child. And I'm like, you'd look at it in every day of your life. That's a that's that's a representation of a person who raped you. Like you'd have to be a stronger person than me not to look at that kid and kind of hate it a little bit. And just be reminded of constantly, this has happened to me, and, and now I'm... And there I, are I'm, people in this world who are beams of light enough to do that. absolutely are, and I've met one or two of them, and they are supreme human beings. They're better than me, okay? I'll just be perfectly honest with you. Or an incest baby, you know, or something like that. I said, Shannon, there's reasons that I can think of that I would find it perfectly reasonable to to have this happen in a reasonable time frame and I, I'm not exactly sure what that is 15 weeks or 16 or 14 what I, I don't know more than like three or whatever it is because like you're saying a lot of women don't know they're pregnant by the first month even um, but somewhere in there there's a time frame where like if bad horrible things have happened you need to correct that mistake now, I personally, well, there, as you there don't even like... goes back to a couple of casts ago. There are also periods of time in which medically necessary discussion between the physician and the and the yeah, patient. This child will kill you. Uh, that 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 is a decision that needs to be made. Right. And I'm afraid that I don't think that the mother deserves to die because she's incapable of carrying a child to term. That's that's not. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not there with you. Now, as you, I feel very strongly about people using it as an alternative form of late birth control. That's just responsible adulting is what that is. That's or irresponsible adulting. That's it's just bad decision making. Um, if you're old enough to have sex, you're old enough to figure out when it's a good and bad idea and what you should do about it. That's that's just true as far as I'm concerned. Or. or- if you have a teenager in your house, even as young as middle school, ask them how easily it is for them to acquire free condoms. You know, I, it's it's funny. I talked about my daughter uh, or with I talked about this with my daughter, and it's very difficult 
to bring this up casually, right? You pretty much just have to hit it head on. And I did. I'm like, look, this is what's happening right now, and it's going to affect you. I said, my baby-making days are over, okay? So are your mother's. Like, we are we did our time. And she's like, you make it sound like jail. I'm like, it is, but we'll go into that one after you have one. But I said, <laughs> there's an 18-year sentence. Yeah, exactly. After that, I can contribute, but I'm out on parole, okay? You may live here, but this is like a halfway house at that point. Um, But... I, I truly, you know, I'm trying to, to get her to understand that her world is changing, right? This is, this is something that's always been as far as I've been alive. It's, it's been this way. Now it is about to change, at least from all indications that we have. How do you feel about that? And she's, mm, you know, and to her mind, she said, barring, Something that I I can't control, like, you know, the whole rape issue. And she goes, but you're going to give me a gun. I'm like, you're damn right I am. But we'll continue on that discussion later. When you're old enough to leave this house and you're on your own, you're going to have several. Okay. And you're going to know how to use them, too. So we're going to we're going to people are going to force you to do shit, girl. (laughs) So we, we went down that road a little bit. She was very comfortable with that. And she said, so really what it boils down to for my case, if we bought if we if we remove the. The violently impossible, or the violently improbable, is bad decision making on my part. And I said that's exactly it. She goes, "Well, isn't it easier just to use contraception and you know, like, like mom said, like when I'm 17, I can be on the pill and you know, have condoms and stuff like that, and that pretty much takes care of the problem, doesn't it?" And I'm like, "Yep." She goes, "Well, then this really doesn't affect me." I'm like, "Well, it does." Then it doesn't, because well, you know? none of those things are perfect, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, mostly. Like, depending on which manufacturer you believe in, ninety some odd percent, you know, effective. Um, and I'm not a big fan, as anyone who listens to some of my other shows will tell you, I'm not a big proponent of abstinence. Uh, really? I I know it's it's it's. Hard to believe, but it's true. Uh, so I know that's going to happen. And she's related to me. So I know that it's like going to be a thing, right? So I know it's going to happen. I don't know where you and your, your kids stood on it, but it was like a, it was at least a decent conversation. Some of which are concepts that she cannot yet fully grasp and others she grasped on pretty, pretty good. Um, did you talk to your daughter about it at all? I, I haven't yet. Just for no other reason than since this popped up, I quite honestly have been out of town. Uh, mm. And we're still primarily dealing with uh, been managing to make it into college and graduate from high school this year. <laughs> well, yeah, but you'll you'll find, and especially since I think I can say this on the cast without being a problem, but your daughter is going to go to art school. Well, uh, now, let me be clear. <laughs> Okay, be as crystal clear as I can possibly be. Five days into art school, I had my first orgy. All right. So I'm just saying (laughs) you might want to hurry on the talk. Oh, that talk we've had. No, I know. But the new talk, the new new talk, but like the before you go off to college talk, you might want to, I don't know, 
review that discussion. I, I, I will admit that right before I went off to college, all my mother did was hand me an article that she had found. Now, remember, this was the day and age of paper articles, so it's not even like she sure. like, texted it to me or anything like that. She handed me an article that she had found and cut out of a magazine on which condoms work better than others. <laughs> hey, you know, like, that's important shit. <laughs> she was thinking of you, all right? Um, I Now, I'm not saying that art school is full of crazy orgies and a lot of sexually active people more than other colleges. But art school is full of crazy sexually <laughs> active people who are more sexually active and creative than other colleges, okay? I've been to both. Well, the, the, the other part about that is that by the time she walks out the door to go to school in that fashion, she will be 18 years old. Uh, you know, we have this thing where, you know, when we say hello to each other, she'll just say father and I'll just say child. And I've suddenly really changed. I've realized, oh, my God, I'm not can't call her child anymore. It is now changed to offspring. Uh, you know, it, it, as much as it may make me personally a little bit on the uncomfortable side, she is going to be 18 years old soon. And at a certain point, there comes a time when it's her call and her life, you know, but at a certain time, too, you're like, like, what did you know at 18? He didn't know jack shit. I don't know about you. I didn't know jack shit at 18, right? Well, I was but, an adult, but, but not really. But but see, the worst part about that is it is actually scarier than that. You didn't know, but you thought you did. Right. It's worse, right? It's the, it's the worst of all combinations. And, and I was an 18-year-old who knew less than most okay like i was really full of myself and thought i knew what was going on and i knew i was way farther back behind the eight ball than most people um now i luckily had a good set of parents uh who cared about me and and were willing to my father took the fucking hit for over a decade i was mad at him for over a decade about some of the decisions and some of the conversations and some of the things he did while I was in my 18 to 21 year old period. But that, but see, the worst part about it is, is, is I think we've discussed to some extent that's normal. That's your job as a dad, I, as a parent, I, that's I, your job. I can't remember if we've, if we talked about this or not, but there's actually a rather large amount of psychological study out there. It's not only psychological, but anthropological suggesting that that's what they do to get you to move out. Well, not only that, but the kids actually do it on the other way to get you to want them to move out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that has to happen. And I think it's the same. You see it in nature all the time. You know, like the lions leave the pride because they can't deal with the other freaking male lions like you guys to go. Um, well, that's, that, that's that's because the other male lion will actually kill them if they don't. That's, I swear to you that's what would happen if it were 21 to, to 19, you know, 18 to 21-year-old children. If they backtalk their parents long enough, <laughs> that's – I'm going to kill it. You know, like there's – it happens, right? It happens. What, what, what's, what's the meme with Sam Elliott, which is there were two ways to die when I was a kid. One was by accident. The other was by mouthing off to your parents. <laughs> exactly. Got a little loopy there. Had to kill him. You know, I – well, I mean, hell, as much as we all hate quoting Bill Cosby right now, I still love his line of, I brought you in this world to take you out. Don't make no difference to me. I'll make another one look just like you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, it's it, 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 it you do get to that point, and I'm starting to understand. I have a a very dear friend of mine who lives in Ohio, and uh, he is. He's got like I made the statement the other day. I'm like I'm halfway done. He's like you are nowhere near halfway done. <laughs> like let me tell you what you're gonna happen. What's gonna happen to you? You're you're just just wait. This is gonna happen. You know. And you're you're a couple years behind him. And he is just a wealth of information, right? Because he's just a couple of years ahead of me, and he's got both boys and girls, and or, or a boy and a girl, I should say. And he's just like okay, dude. This is this is what's gonna happen, and you can see him slowly losing his mind. He's a great dad, and I, I he has more patience than I will ever have, right? And he's like, "Yeah, I, uh, I almost killed him today." I'm like, "What happened?" You know, and he sends me a picture of this torn up car. I'm like, "Oh my god!" He goes, "He's fine. He's fine." This is a couple of years ago. He's fine. What was he doing? Stupid eighteen year old boy shit. Like, like that. It's just what happens, right? And I, I know it's gonna. I know it's gonna. But at a certain point, like your kid is gonna stand up and say, "I'm eighteen, nineteen, twenty, whatever the age is. You can't tell me what to do." Now that that point actually happens a lot sooner than eighteen. Right. When kids stop listening. But at 18, it's no longer enforceable. Right. Now you have to enforce things in a, in a way like adults do. Like, OK, well, you're absolutely right. I cannot control that. You also can't live in my house without a job, a career, going to school or something else. So you're going to have to figure that out. <laughs> right. Well, you started that. That's actually like the part is, adult. that's that's the part where. Most young people, and once again, because you can't exactly call them children anymore, reach a point in which they think you're being unfair, but what it is is you're finally treating them like the adults yeah. they want to be. They took the gloves off, right? And they they called the they they called the dance. You're just forcing them to to dance to the music, right? You're they called it. You can't force me, and at a certain point, they're correct. But what they and I was the exact same way. I know oh, I did. all others were like, there's all, everybody has one of these stories where you were like, ha I got him, bitch. You can't make me do anything. And they turn right around to you and go, you're absolutely correct, but you can't make me do anything either. And I've been doing a lot. Let me tell you about that. And let me tell you what's going to stop now. And you're like, Oh, because <laughs> you didn't think it through, right? You never thought it through because some things you just took for granted. And and it happens in every household at, at, at some age, right? And you don't know what age it is, but we're all – we all go through it, and it always happens, right? There's very few – my brother was one of the very few people who didn't have to do that. My brother, all the way up until the time he, he moved out – was pretty much a golden child, right? He didn't cause any trouble. <laughs> he didn't cause any heartache for the family. He did, The cops never brought him home. He never had a warrant out for his arrest. He never had, like, he never did drugs. He didn't do anything. And he got fairly decent grades in school. Like, he, he wasn't a problem, right? I took all of that 
onto myself, right? Like I did, like I ever, they were prepared for the worst with my brother, and they got absolutely none of it. It was just graceful from the word from from the word go all the way out. And I think that's a rarity. <laughs> you know, somewhere in there, there's some well, kind I of haven't like experienced it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there's some kind of finishing move you have to do to prepare your child for the way it is, right? And I I look at other people going through that, and I just I just wonder if it's just human nature. Or is it, you know, because it didn't happen with my brother and it did for me. So our, our household is 50-50, right? Well, or my, my parents was. Well, the, the whole anthropological, anthropological thing, we'll put it in a different way. There comes a point in which the change that's going on is uncomfortable for both sides. You have the change of the young person who is finally starting to become an adult and realize that they have control over certain things in their lives. And then you also have the other side, which is uncomfortable for the parent who is suddenly realizing that their children are adults and have certain control over things in their lives that we no longer have control over for. And to be honest with you as a parent, and I'm sure you already know what I'm about to say, that is scary. Oh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying because you want wonderful and all want, and just awesome things to happen for your kids. Not only that, but you look at your kids and you know the, what's going through their head because you are the same age, which is you know that they think they know it and they don't. <laughs> right. My, and, and, and so, so what you're waiting for at that point in time, and you're crossing your fingers that they don't show back up and go, Mom, Dad, I fucked up. That happened to uh, uh, Shannon's sister, right? Now, I personally think that that some of this was the way they were raised. But Shannon's sister, who is probably one of the smartest people I know, she is brilliant, literally brilliant. Anything she wants to do, she does. And she owns several businesses. She's a realtor. She's a lawyer. She's, she, I mean, she's got all these licenses, all this stuff, all these things. Like, literally, whatever she wants to do, she could do. And all three of her kids, like her eldest daughter hates her and is very, 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 very liberal, uh, also went to art school, um, is is very much like her, her sister's a very kind of Texas conservative Christian and her daughter is a bi leaning towards lesbian liberal Democrat and they two of them who doesn't – who's an atheist and the two of – it just didn't it, like – it's oil and water on fire. It's not good. Uh, she moved clear up to Minnesota to get the fuck away from her. Um, so that's one out the house. But she moved out at the age of 17. Fuck you, I'm out. You know, um, which is funny because she still talks to me. I love her to death. And, and because I'm an artist, right? She had more in common with me than she did her mom. The other two were two boys. One got a girl pregnant at the age of 16 and still lives with his mom because the girl left him for a tattoo artist and they moved to Colorado. And the did other they, one. Did, now, did she take the child with them? No. Aha. Uh, Shannon's sister is raising the child, basically, because the boy is Defect too immature. Yep. Uh, because the boy is too immature. And the other boy almost joined a cult a couple of months ago because he's very weak minded. <laughs> And she's like, uh, was it was it at least a good cult? 
we don't know. It was in South America somewhere, and they caught him right before he was going on the flight. He had sold all his possessions and was about to turn him over to the cult guy, the leader guy, and fly to South America, presumably never to be heard from again. Oh, leftover Jonestown. Yeah. And um, she's like, great, I'm 0 for 3. Fucking fantastic. You know, <laughs> wow. You know, and this is the smartest woman I know. I mean, she's really intelligent. But she's just like, I missed it. Right. I I just missed the the ball on all three of them. Like I alienated my daughter because I couldn't resolve our differences because I, I wouldn't bend. She goes, that's partially my fault. She wouldn't either, but it's partially my fault. I could have given. Um, the second one, I didn't cover responsibility. And the third one, I don't know what the fuck happened with him. Well, but I mean, I, I, look, I, I know some of the circle that you run in. So I know you've come across some extremely intelligent human beings in your life. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I've had some similar opportunities to people that I don't even consider myself to be remotely close to in their league of intelligence. And there is one fault that I tended to find with people of that nature. And that is that they cannot, or at least a lot of them, cannot see how the rest of the world can't see what they can see. Yeah. No, that's true. That is true. So it's not un- So what I personally found is it's not unusual for them to have issues in areas like parenting. Hell, I mean, I, I, where I went to high school, the, uh, the 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 head of the math department was one of the worst teachers there because he he was one of those people who could look at the entire formula on the wall and just go four. Yeah. But yeah. he couldn't communicate or understand why the students in his class couldn't see the same thing. So it's not unusual for parents to do the same thing. I also think I, I totally agree with that. One, uh, two, I also think it's a measure of time. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, I'm 98 percent convinced that there is no such thing. You know, you and I grew up with a certain phrase, and I think it's bullshit. Quality time. You've heard that phrase. I'm sure you have. Well, of course. I don't believe quality time exists. Um, I believe that, that – and I've seen it over and over and over and over again. If you want to instill the values, whatever values those are, good, bad, whatever it is, if you want to instill the values that you hold at least as much as you can into your children, quality time is not it. It's just time. Spend time with them. It doesn't matter what activity you're doing. It doesn't matter that it's been set up to teach them a lesson or it's been set up to have fun or something like that. Just be with your kids. The best parents I know enjoy spending time with their children. You know, let's build an engine. Let's clean the garage. Let's build some stuff. Your mom says we got to go out here and do some shit. Let's go out here and do some stuff. You know, like like uh, we got to clean the backyard, all right? It's look, I I'm in it too. Get some freaking trash bag and some gloves. We'll figure it out, okay? And they want and you know, or at least to me, you know things are going well when they start to sound like you, right? And it's either very annoying <laughs> what's 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 the the line? I never knew how much of an asshole I was till I raised a child just like me and had to argue with them. Right. <laughs> right. And you're like, "Oh, you get that from me. Oh, shit." You know, like like in, and it comes out in the same pentameter with the same words and like ah oh, shit no I broke that no I, I this I broke this one it's I that's my fault I did that um, 
but spend time with them. And a lot of times I found like if they were a successful person, like my, my friend from Ohio, right? Uh, spend time with his kids, loved his kids. And you could tell when they talked about him, when they did stuff, when they, when they interacted with him, they genuinely liked their father. And, you know, it's not saying anybody's perfect or anything like that, but you can tell the difference of, of kids who hang out with their parents and kids who don't. And it's, and it's a very weird thing because my father and I are best friends now. We go shoot every weekend. We laugh our asses off. It's fun, and we give each other shit left, right, and backwards, and it's super fun. Um, because at the core... I am very similar to him, and I hold the same things true as far as values on how things work and how I feel about people and how I treat people and all that stuff. It's the it's almost the exact same. And I find a lot of times when you get those those huge disconnects, even when the parent isn't a bad person and they did try, they didn't put in the time. They didn't spend the time with the kid to kind of show them how things are. Right. And show them like, this is who I am. Um, one of the greatest things that I think I did, um, that I have done, uh, and they'll never do it. Uh, but if there was ever a time, like if I died tomorrow, um, my youngest is eight years old. By the time she hit 20, 25, 30, she really wouldn't remember me. Like how much of your time with your dad do you remember before you were eight years old? Not a lot. Oh, no, not really. Not really a lot, right? It's it's like the older you get, the more of that shit becomes just kind of a vague memory. If they wanted to know who I am, there's thousands of hours of me on the fucking internet. <laughs> like you can get a hold of it, right? <laughs> but, but but for a while, you mom's going mom's gonna sit there and go, okay, here's this portion over here. Yeah. But there's this portion over here that you can you listen to if you want. But you, you don't want to know. Want to? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna tell a lot about you and me. This. <laughs> It's going to be weird, but okay. You know, listen to his political show. Listen to his gun show. Don't listen to this one. Uh, But they can know me. They can hear what I think. They can hear who I am for the last 12 years as I've grown as a person, as I've, I've thought things, as I've done things, as they've been born and started to grow. They can hear what I'm about if they want to. And and even just with regards to, for example, your sister-in-law. And I'm not saying that and I, I'm, she might agree with what I'm about to say, but I'm not trying to be derogatory when I put it this way. Sure, sure. Um, it is possible to have kids that see the world differently than you do and still communicate with them. Absolutely. Anybody who's listened to this cast would probably, would probably guess that, though I consider myself to be a centrist, I do fall right of center if you want to talk about the political spectrum. Um. My daughter is probably just barely not, not left, just barely not extreme left wing. Um, and but we can still have conversations. Actually, from the conversations that you've shared with me off the cast and stuff like that, you guys have some really good ones. Well, because she does exactly what I would hope that she would does and what I would encourage her to do, which is she she's thinking. I don't expect her to take my opinion on something and suddenly agree with it. What I do hope is that she'll listen to it and think about it. And some of them she's got she's gone. 
okay, I agree. And some things she's looked at me and went, Dad, you're an asshole. Uh, (laughs) And that's perfectly acceptable. But what it comes down to is is the fact that that conversation can happen. And it's not just between – and it goes into a lot of things that we're constantly preaching on this cast, which is it's not just between me and my child. It's between everybody. Not everybody is going to agree on everything out there. You're going to have people who have wildly different opinions on how something should or shouldn't go. But that conversation needs to happen. I cannot disagree with that at all. And I hope if you take nothing else from this show, both this episode and the show in general, it's that it's okay. It's okay to disagree with people. It's okay to to even hate what they stand for. That's okay. What's not okay is is hating the person for what they believe in instead of hating the misunderstanding between you. You know what I mean? Well, I and mean, I, let, I, let's let's even take you know it's it's one of the things that's been talked about a lot in media. Uh, both mass media and um, uh, independent media a lot recently, which is the ACLU. The Mm. ACLU at one point in time had no hesitation to stand up and fight for the right of the Ku Klux Klan and the neo-Nazis to be able to publicly speak. Even though they hated everything that they stood for. And had no hesitation to say this. We hate everything that these people have to stand for but they have a right to say it it's like the whole uh larry flint argument right if the the if the law will protect a piece of shit like me it'll protect you too or even then as as much as i I, you know i go back to this movie from time to time just as far as a quote for something of this nature is if you really want free speech if you really want freedom you have to stand there and fight for the rights of somebody who is uh, um, screaming at the top of their lungs something that you would fight at the top of your lungs for the rest of your life. You have to fight for that right to be able to say that. Right. You have to fight for the right to be able to say it publicly. Right now, I think that's a far cry away from where this country stands. Uh, But... Because... That's not a value that people hold anymore. We were holding a value together of uh, in, instead the idea of making someone uncomfortable is, is bad. I wish I could remember what it was I saw recently. Um, somewhere along the line, I, it may have been a TV show my wife and I were watching and she was wonder it, it was one of those legal dramas where they were going through court oh, or sure. something and the thing at point was that someone had violently attacked someone for something that they had said and i had to look at her i say she's like i don't understand how that can happen and i said it's actually very very easy to understand how that can happen in this day and age considering the fact that we have started to refer to language as violence yeah. We started to look at the fact that you can actually say something that makes somebody uncomfortable, unhappy, triggered, whatever term you want to use, and consider that a violent act. So the idea that someone would respond violently to that is actually perfectly understandable. It's not yeah. right. When you made words an assault, the same as assault, then yeah. So, now, so now you've got Will Smith, you know, smacking uh, 
what is shit? Why did uh, Chris Rock? Chris Rock. Yeah. You and have, hell, uh, just a, as a, this cast was recorded a couple of days ago, uh, a guy went on stage and attacked Dave Chappelle. And but but once again, the though it's reprehensible that these people would do this stuff, it's not uncomprehensible anymore considering the fact that the words that the person were saying are now considered to be a violent assault now i would just i would also say that if you actually thought that what dave chappelle was saying was a violent assault you didn't actually listen to what the man said oh man he's not he's he's not who he is he's he's arguably as he has said he is arguably the greatest right the, the goat he is arguably the goat and if you listen to what he says really listen and understand it I don't care what group you are, you're not going to be upset with him for saying it. But that is a far cry. I mean, that's a lot to ask of people is to listen and try and understand uh, personal opinion. And, and, but, so, uh, and so that goes back to what I was saying for cast upon cast upon cast. If if you see someone or you you hear someone or you run into someone who has a – opinion thought process or something like that that you don't agree with rather than hating their guts have a conversation with them talk to them about it most people if you actually talk to them about it be happy to explain to you exactly where it is that they're coming from hopefully they'll even be willing to listen to where you are coming from because it's not the fact that you're trying to change somebody's mind now if you can more power to you but it's not to come to an agreement it's to understand if you can understand yeah. where someone else is coming from, you're not necessarily going to hate them. They may still be an asshole, and you may come to the understanding that they're an <laughs> asshole. But th that's not necessarily what you're dealing with. You're simply dealing with someone who views the world in a different fashion than you do. And that's a tough one. That well, is a tough one. It's actually one of the – we talked a bit last week about me being what I would call neurodivergent. And it's one of the few positives that I have taken away from that is the recognition that not everyone processes the world around you in the same way. Yeah. And, and the only thing you can do about that is to speak with them and communicate with them and try to understand how someone else views the world. You may not agree with them. You may despise what it is that they see. But you got to at least understand where they're coming from. Because if you can't understand where they're coming from, first of all, you have no capability of changing their mind. If you can't understand what they're coming from, you have no capability of, of legitimately communicating with them. You have no capability of, of sharing the world with them. That's where the violence and the, and the conflict come from, is people who just refuse to even make an attempt at understanding the people around them. And we are rapidly approaching a time when that sentiment is just kind of going away. Well, I, I, hey, you, you've heard me say it before. I'm personally of the opinion that somewhere along the line within the next few elections, if it's not the next election or two, that things are going to become extremely violent. <sighs> well, and before we get into doom and gloom, uh, we've got to... <laughs> We'll do our media recommendations because this has actually been not a not a doom and gloom cast, uh, but uh, I've got a cast in another fifty minutes as this being as this is being recorded. Uh, much much different topic uh, on that one. Much different topic on that one, but I did want to do media recommendations. Okay, well shoot. Uh, I have just seen, and I am going only by the first episode, 
but I have just seen Strange New Worlds, uh, the Star Trek uh, that is based on Christopher Pike's Enterprise uh, by uh, starring Anson Mount. And I have got to tell you that uh, I am probably going to wind up doing a podcast with Jake and my wife about said show. In fact, that's not true. I am going to be doing a podcast about <laughs> said show with Jake and my wife, uh, probably released in the next week or two uh, here. And it is excellent in every way. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, you know what? It, it's the first time in a long time that I felt like I was watching old school Star Trek again. Yes. You know, you said that before the cast and I, I hadn't quite put those words on it. That is exactly how you feel. Exactly uh, how you feel. Not only that, but it's really kind of being. It's got the. It's got very, very the same feel as the the original series of Star Trek. But imagine if somebody had taken the original series of Star Trek and added modern special effects to it. And grew it up a little bit. That that was actually pretty. That's that's was pretty cool to watch. And the one thing I'll say story wise, because I know we're going to talk about it on a different cast, that just really, really I found extremely interesting is if you know Star Trek and you know the story of Christopher Pike and where he ends up, they actually made it so he knows this is going to happen to him. Yeah. Which is an, which I personally thought was an interesting story take to go with. Well, they did it in Discovery. Well, they did it in Discovery, but they very honestly could have just kind of done the whole retconned incidental. It out, yeah. it, well, not even retconned it out, but just made it incidental to that series and just move forward. But you actually have a captain who's dealing with the fact that he knows what his end is going to be. And when and how. And and not only just the fact that it's an end, but it's a terrible end. Yeah. And it's just, it's really great to look at and listen to. And just everything becomes so clear for him. We can talk about it later, but it's, you owe it to yourself. If you like start, if you like sci-fi at all, Strange New Worlds, just saying. Well, I'll stick with the Star Trek thing, and, and, and even though Sean hasn't had a chance to finish it, I finished uh, the Star Trek Picard. And I will say that if you are any way, shape, or form a fan of Q from the uh, the Next Generation series, or quite frankly, the Next Generation DS9 or Voyager, um, th this was an enjoyable show to watch. Um, I thought there was a very big plot hole in it, but suddenly it clicked and made sense to me uh, because they did. Uh, do what uh, Doctor Who fans would call wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Um, <laughs> but it, w with that said, the you, you learn a little bit emotionally about the character of Q, and especially as you come to the final episode and figure out why he's been doing what he's been doing and why he's done what he's done. And it's just one of those things that just makes you go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh, i i know some people looked at it and thought it was a bit of a MacGuffin, and maybe it was i personally found it quite enjoyable well i look forward to the next two or the last two episodes with it and uh, i mean apparently it's a star trek recommendations thing but uh you know what guys uh, I, i'm being serious you if you haven't seen both of those they're they're just Nothing short of well, excellent. The, the, the other nice thing about the Picard episodes, and I think it's one of the complaints that you're getting, is a lot of people were expecting to have Next Generation 2.0, and it's not. No. And they're actually, even, even though they have to have some sort of galactic impact, 
the galactic impact that's going on with the stories is actually secondary to the story itself. These oh, stories very are are very much just small central stories around Picard as he's very honestly coming to the end of his life. Picard has done I, all of these, you know, oh, galactically spectacular things, and even though the things he's doing now still have some sort of galactic import, it's not galactic import that the whole universe gets to know about. It's just these little personal things that are going on with some of the people around him that he that he has surrounded himself with at this point in life, and this really is about him reconciling his own life as he's coming to not necessarily. I mean, he's not dying per se. But he is an old man who's coming to the end of his life. I think he's actually close to 100 years old in, in, as far as this series is concerned. You guys will dig it. I'm not kidding. I, uh, I, I was skeptical, but John Delancey is a powerhouse, and so is uh, Patrick Stewart. Uh, just take our word for it. You guys will dig it. But... I have to get out of here because I have some blonde heads poking <laughs> through the door and then I've got another cast in 45 minutes. So I'm going to cut it a little bit short. It is totally my fault. Uh, but, okay. uh, You're not cutting it short. We've been on for a bit over an hour. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, but uh, that is, is going to work for me. And next time we will have some interesting topics as well. If the world's still here next week, we'll see you then. <laughs>